Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. questions for you that I, I they've been burning in my brain for the last couple of days since we talked and the first one is when you have a dynasty fantasy baseball team like your own and you're only adding four players through the free agent draft and you're a huge pirates fan why would you not pick up O'Neill Cruz in the first couple of rounds. Because I gave you three rounds, Craig. I gave you three opportunities to pick your boy up and add him to your 40-man roster in Dynasty. And then finally I was like, no, no, no. He doesn't get to wait till his last pick to pick up that kind of a prospect. And I took him. And the message I got in the morning when Craig woke up, um, he's not fit for air. You were, you were very upset with me. How do you make that kind of a blunder? Well, because you made fun of me last time for picking Quinn Priester too soon. <laughs> and I know that other people in our league probably know who O'Neill Cruz is, but their teams are much better and they probably, you know, they don't need extra depth in that area. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that I was just going to like, you know, hit the, I was going to wake up that morning. I was going to hit the draft O'Neill Cruz button and that was going to be the end of my draft. I, I love was gonna it. Be able to- you forgot about me. That's what happened. You forgot about Chris. Yeah, I did. And that, that one is absolutely my fault. And But the worst part is, is everybody else in the league knows that I will trade you, you know, three of my best players at some point in time here to get O'Neill Cruz after he hits, you know, four home runs in the first couple weeks that he's up. Right. That's my strategy in fantasy baseball is to pick up a player I know you love and and then trade him to you later. Who did I do that with last year? Nick Gonzalez? I did that Nick with Nick Gonzalez. That's and exactly the year before right. that, it was Kevin Newman, and people can make fun of me as much as they want for that one. <laughs> Craig loves his prospects. He loves his Pittsburgh Pirates prospects more than anybody in the world. Here's a serious question for you. What the hell is wrong with the Pittsburgh Pirates that it was trending around the world at one point that uh, Brian Reynolds to the Marlins and, and this, this shortcoming and trying to figure out arbitration. I mean, look, there's a lot of other guys arguing over $50,000, $100,000 right now in arbitration. Reynolds is at like six fifty difference with the Pirates, okay? So it's not, it's not that insulting. They, they are at least separated by, by something. But it just seems to me like the relationship between team and player is not very good right now. And that's, that's not what you need when you're supposed to be building your team coming out of a rebuild. You trade him, set the date back another year or so. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, and I I will say that some of the stuff that was coming out of the Marlins was being pushed by people within, you know, the Marlins media, the Marlins, you know, podcasting arena. But I do think that there were some legs to it that 
you know, they had made offers on him previously. You have the relationship with trading for Jacob Stallings. Uh, so, you know, Charrington is he's pretty well versed on the Marlins system. I believe that once again, the ask is extremely high. Uh, the Marlins won't go in for that. But for me, the bigger piece is that before the whole lockout started, and even since then, I had that show where I, I, I think you didn't have a voice. And so I did it like coming out of uh, the new year that it was like what you what we needed to do for this to be a successful like offseason, you know, what's what's going to have to happen this year. And one of those things was extending Brian Reynolds. One thing that definitely wasn't on the list, Chris, was getting into an arbitration argument with the best player on your team. Yes, that's the thing. That's the thing that I don't think if you don't think Brian Reynolds is the best player on your team right now, the best. And I'm not saying he'll be the best player in two years if some prospect comes along and becomes great or Cabrian Hayes becomes what he was in 2020 or, or something like that. But right now, at this moment, the best player in the entire Pittsburgh Pirates organization is Brian Reynolds. And extending him is essential unless you're able to flip him for basically a really high asking price. Like, I, at least at least Ben Charrington is like, you want him? I want the world back. And he should be asking for the world back. He's a young superstar in the making is what he is. Yeah, and there's those years of control. Like, the four years of control is the big thing that everybody's talking about that you have him on your team and at a, a fairly low price because, I mean, he was estimated, I think it was uh, MLB Trade Rumors estimated him at like $4.5 million. Uh, his number is $4.9 million. The Pirates are at like four point two five. So it's, it's in the ballpark of where he was going to be. And even for like next year, you're getting up to maybe like eight to 10 million. And then you're getting up in the third year, finally getting up into those big numbers. But for most teams, like, I hate to say it, it shouldn't even be that big of a deal for the Pirates. But to squabble over it at this point in time, I mean, I would have just went to him and said, hey, Brian, what do you think you're worth, dude? And he's a pretty humble guy. And he might have gone up to... I know that they did the blind offer and it was $4.9 million, but he might have just said, you know what? I'm worth like five even for this year. Let's just, I just want to play ball. I'm, I just want to get started here. I would have been like, okay, just give it to him. Like, I don't understand your, <laughs> your low balling, your best player. Right. But Chris, this is like going towards other things that we've talked about, which is, a lot of people are saying, okay, you're going to operate like the Tampa Bay Rays. This is something the Tampa Bay Rays would do. This is something that they had done to like, you know, like Blake Snell before his arbitration. And like, like we, you had mentioned of, of offering him, like, you know, you, you, we can offer you, what was it like 15 or 20% less or something, even though you just went out and had the best year of your career. But yeah, we're just gonna we're we're gonna offer you. We're, that's what you're gonna sign for. That's what we're gonna we're gonna sign you that contract. That's the type of thing that's kind of going on here. But I mean, to me, it makes absolutely no sense. Well, you know what? Like, it makes a little bit of sense to me. And I, I'm I'm gonna interject here because I I don't want to be completely negative on the Pirates being six hundred fifty thousand dollars apart from Brian Reynolds. And the reason why I think it makes a little bit of sense is put it in perspective. The top five payrolls right now in baseball are just below or just above $200 million, right? 
And the yeah. Pirates right now, you would be shocked. You would fall off your your bar stool if they got to a hundred million dollars, wouldn't you? Like where oh, where God. do you think where do you think Bob Nutting really ends up when he finally spends on this team seventy million? Like that's probably where he's gonna. I mean, like he's never he's not one of these massive massive spenders. So in comparison to what the Pirates have to work with budget wise, six hundred fifty thousand dollars for Ben Charrington and his budget long term and even this year is almost the equivalent of like three million dollars for another team. That's how big the difference is between him and Brian Reynolds, who's entering the first of four years of arbitration. So, so if you put it in that perspective, then you go, well, it, you know, $650,000 is actually a lot of money to the pirates. You know, we, we hear those figures and we go, well, that's nothing. Well, yeah, it's nothing. If your team spends money, if somebody gave me $650,000, I'd quit podcasting and, and, and disappear for a while. Like I'd be just ecstatic. Right? Like, it's a lot of yeah. money for me. So for the Pirates, it's more money than what it is to, say, the Yankees. That That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Like, I get the idea of building goodwill. If there's a thing where it's like the less money you spend now, the more you get in a couple of years, Ben, when it's time for you to come and ask me for that one big contract that puts you over the top, that might be the reason why Ben Charrington's trying to save a little bit of dough. Yeah, and... A part of it might even be like that stuff that, you know, we don't want to talk about, which is, you know, Brian Reynolds being traded at some point. If you got four years of control, more than likely you're going to try to trade him with two or more years of control. If you sign him to a deal, even if you sign him to, say, a six-year deal, that means you have Brian Reynolds for four more years, in my eyes. You sign him to an eight-year deal, you have him for six years. I mean, that's that's just kind of where my brain works. Yeah, but how long do you want him for? Like, think of it this way, too. He becomes a free agent in 2026, and he's 31 years old. Outfielders start to take a dip at some point in their usefulness. Now, yeah, of course, you're going to have a DH now in the National League, so maybe you're not as nervous about this. But at some point, he's going to get to be about 33, 34, and there's going to be diminishing returns on this. If you were able to sign him to an extension right now and eat up those arbitration years and add two years more, maybe an option, that's the ideal thing for the for the yeah. Pirates. You don't want to for, go for more me. Than for that. me, six years is the most. Right, six exactly. years is the most. I mean, he probably wants eight. I would think he probably wants eight. Well, if I were, but, but if I were the Pirates, I wouldn't be afraid of him finishing out and entering free agency at thirty-one. Because at thirty-one years old, he may not be worth as much in the open market. The question, though, is: Can the Pirates afford what he would be worth at about the age of twenty-nine? You know, when 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 they probably like they probably don't get this extension done until before the 2024 season. And that would probably be the limit. If he enters a 2024 season, that now he starts to become trade bait if he won't sign before that. Okay, because then he's got ARB three year that year and his ARB four years in 2025. So what you would try to do is you're gonna try to get that done somewhere between 23 and 24 at the last that's your last chance probably to get the the most value to get otherwise you gotta turn around, you might have to consider trading him. So or you could just hold on to him. Like, what if the team's good by that point? You just hold on to him for two years, and when he leaves, he leaves. And you're like, all right, he left, and we got his best years because now he's 31 years old. But the thing is, like, can they afford what he's going to believe that he would make on the open market when he's at that age? And, th- and it's really going to be kind of a give and take. Like, yeah, we're paying you a little bit more than what you're probably going to get in arbitration, but we want to eat up the last of the years that you could possibly have in free agency. And that's where that becomes concerning. It's going to be years. It's going to be how much he believes he's going to be 
uh, valuable to teams when he gets into his 30s and mid-30s. So it's a really interesting thing right now with him. They definitely need to extend him. But on the other hand, if they didn't, they hit a window. They got like the, in, in 24 and 25, they've got a team that's finally competing and they've got him there. If they're able to come up with what comes after Brian Reynolds, then maybe they would just move on. I, I don't know. It's a really complicated question. I feel like the easy thing is to say extend him and give him the 650 and don't make any waves or anything else like that. But again, it comes back to budget and it comes back to how much you value him when he gets into his 30s. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot and to consider. And I mean, I don't even know, like, as we had, like, last week we were talking about, like, O'Neill Cruz, like, you know, bringing him up based on, like, how Henry Davis is doing, based on how Nick Gonzalez is doing. I mean, there could be some ways that they're thinking, you know, extending Brian Reynolds, like, do we really think realistically that we're going to compete in 23, 24, or 25? Like, where is that window opening at? Or at least it opens as 24, you have him through 25. So now you got to decide, is it worth rolling the dice here? Or do you want to, you know, and who knows? I mean, they might just want to say, hey, can we get him through 26? Can we add like an extra year? Can we add like two? I mean, that might be the smartest thing to do. Like, hey, Brian, we're going to buy your two arbitration years. And we're going to make sure that we pay you for another year and throw an option in there, like a mutual option or something. Like if you want to stay and we want you to stay, something like that. But you will be able to get out of it with enough, you know, enough left in you that you'll have value on the free agent market the first time you ever hit free agency. I mean, these are the kind of discussions. It's not just dollars. It's timing. It's age. It's what he thinks about where he's going to be at that point in his life. It's where they think they're going to be in the rebuild. It's not as simple as playing on your video game and just uh, you know extending a guy. No, and the other point is that, I mean, he's still a pirate. Like, yeah. he's going to be a pirate. So, I mean, that's where, like, people, like, are, like, getting ready to, like, take the, you know, well, they can't take the, the Clemente Bridge right now because it's under construction, but they can take the Warhol <laughs> Bridge. Um, but they, you know, they can take one of the bridges. At, but, I mean, there's other people out there saying, well, he'll be traded at the trade deadline. No. It's like... It's like no. I no. mean, he, this is a, he's an off he's an off season trade guy. If if anything, I don't think you would even consider trading him until you got through this year and next, unless somebody blew the doors off. There's no yeah. reason to rush on this. If he's as good as you think he's going to be, then why not see how everything develops? Unless somebody blows your doors off. My prediction is he stays a pirate through his entire time that they have control over him. And that they either release him into the wind when it's over, they trade him with uh, some time left in the season, or they're already so good at that point and they're competing. They're like, well, we're going to lose him, but we got this other guy that we've been developing over the last three, four years that is now going to slide into the Brian Reynolds spot. Or we can go into free agency and we can replace him with something else at that point. You know, I mean, again, to, to just panic off of what's going on right now, I think is crazy Unless, like, you you bought his jersey and you're afraid that all of a sudden a team like the Marlins would actually say, yeah, we're going to give you all of our top prospects for him. And then if somebody gives you a ton of top prospects for him, then that's what the team has decided to do to be cost-effective. I don't think anybody's about to give up the, everything for Brian Reynolds right now. I think there's plenty of options out in the major leagues for teams that want to get better, you know, in the outfield. So I don't think he's in danger of being traded soon. I, the extension is the only thing I have a question of. Before we get to your guest, real quick, quick prediction, 30 seconds. O'Neill Cruz, is he going to be an outfielder mostly this year or a shortstop? Um, I think he's going to play shortstop for the most part, but I do think that they are giving him some time in the outfield. And we were talking before the show, Chris, that I think it's more to give him versatility to get him, you know, regular at bats 
um, in the major leagues as opposed to sending him down uh, to work on the outfield out there. I, I really think they want to keep this kid up. That's good. I want him to have uh, multiple positions that he's eligible for when I'm playing you late in the season in fantasy baseball. <laughs> Jerk. We have brought in the procurer of donuts, all the fine donuts in Bradenton. He's also a cross-country traveler, taking some pictures, putting up some videos, the new kid on the block, covering the Pirates for MLB.com, Justice De Los Santos. Justice, how you doing today, brother? I appreciate the introduction, man. That's a, that's a little more... I, I thought we were just going to like, oh, here's the new kid, but I appreciate that little introduction. For those that be watching the videos, I know you can't see it right now, but yes, it's a sunny day out here and the glasses are on. <laughs> yeah, they... Polarizing. I know it's polarizing, but the glasses are on. Yeah, I didn't even bring up the glasses, man. I, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that, but uh, you're you're rocking them and you are just putting them out there for everybody. But you know what? I'm Justice. These are my glasses. Come at me if you want to. The second that I see another baseball writer start rocking his glasses, I'm going to go to a new one. <laughs> I got I, I to gotta hold down the market on something. The second I see someone else rocking these, I'm, I'm going to switch it up. But for right now, I think, I'm the only, I think I've got to be the only one that rocks these. Looking. I don't Dude. even know what these are called specifically. Dude, I don't even know if anybody else can pull those ones off. I mean, Mackie... You got Stumpf down there. Uh, there's there's not too many guys. I, I know Piersack might be coming down at some point from the PG. He He's the only one that might have enough swag. We've had him on the show before. Uh, he he might have enough, but I I sure, I know I don't. Coming in, you know, some of the guys there have been watching these, these Pirates for a few years, the prospects, uh, some of the guys that are in Major League camp and stuff. So I just want to kind of start off, Justice, with who kind of impressed you, like, off the jump, from the beginning, when you walked in, you're like, man, I didn't know that guy had that. So it's, it's actually funny. I think the one name that I was really interested in seeing up close and in person when I got here was someone that I saw on, on Instagram. And I think y'all know who I'm talking about. One, one Mitch Keller. I was seeing him pop up on my Instagram Explore page before I even got here. So then when I got hired, I was like, okay, once I get down there, let's kind of see what's going on. And He's actually pitching today, so I'm hoping that by the time this this goes up, we don't have some uh, justice. What the hell are you talking about? Type situation. But first outing, the the velocity's back up, and it's not the velocity either. It's his ability to throw things over the plate. It's ability, his ability to command things, to throw them for strikes, and for him to be sitting, you know, not just mid 90s because mid 90s is one thing, but he's touching high 90s. And again, you know, first outing of the spring. A lot of adrenaline going on, really ramped up. But for him to come with what he was coming with just right out the gate, I was really impressed with. Another guy in terms of just velocity was Lawrence Contreras. And just, you know, if we want to talk about velocity, first pitch of the sprint, 99.4 miles per hour, almost touching 100 just right out the gate. It was a joy to, to be able to watch him in his first outing. It was a little wild in his first batter. I think he watched his first batters on four pitches, but then he regrouped from there got to show some of the stuff. And then among some of the other guys, in terms of that might be on the position end of things, I've been really impressed with some of the at-bats that Greg Allen has been having as of lately. Just whether he's, like he's, been, he's drawn a couple walks. I forgot which. I think it was against the – it was a couple games ago where he, he drew a walk, got hit by a pitch, and the one at plate appearance that he didn't get on base. It was not his play, uh, plate appearance, so some really good plate appearances by him. Ben Gamble's been having a nice spring as well. You know, goes opposite field. Like, 
under the fogger a couple hours later. But we got to be honest. I'm daring the lead here. You know, who you, I know who you want me to hear say talk about, and I know you wanted to talk about this, but O'Neal Cruz. Yeah, man. My, 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 my goodness. I, I had my idea of that he was going to be one of the top guys coming into here, but my God, that, that homer that he hit against him, it, it was, as, as I said, it was hit hella far. It was hella loud. It, it was one of the most impressive home runs. that. And again, this, this is my, like, what, my fifth game covering the deep, but just in general, like in, in all the time that I've watched baseball, it was just one of the most impressive home runs that I've seen, and it's coming from a dude who has two games of major league experience. After that, because you, you kind of put out, like, uh, I think it might have been a little bit before that maybe, is you, you put out, you know, O'Neill Cruz might need some of that uh, that good old, uh, you didn't use the words, but that, that seasoning down in AAA, uh, you know, the limited bats, Rowanzi Contreras as well, uh, both of them, you know, kind of injured a little bit last year, didn't get much time in AAA, saw their... Uh, their cup of coffee in the majors, and uh, and you got some blowback on that, man. <laughs> and I remember I I tried to phrase it in a way that I would sound as level-headed as possible. And you did. And, and this is the thing part, for for all those that are listening, you're gonna you're gonna realize I'm not the if you're looking for hot takes, it's not gonna be me. I try to do a both sides approach. I kind of look at things from different vantage points, and all I said was as, as fun as it ha- And this was before he hit the second home run. I, yes. This happened, so I, I sent out that tweet, and the next day he hit that home run, and I was like, oh, my God, my mentions are about to be fired up once again. But all I said was, you just have to ask the question, is that the right move for their long-term development? That's all I said. I didn't say O'Neill Cruz talented. I didn't say O'Neill Cruz couldn't get it done if he started today. All I said was, you have to ask that question, is this in his best interest? And people just took it, and they like Usain Bolt, Lawrence Joyner just ran with it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's why I said, man, welcome to Pirates Twitter. You, you, you can't use the even if you use the words could, will, maybe. It, there's like a couple words they see. Ono Cruz, Triple A, and it was like, boom, we're coming after justice. I will say, though, I'm not going to pretend like there wasn't a party that I was like, I say this. Regardless of what I say, I was like, if I say this, I'm going to get some engagement and people are going to, you know, I might get a little a couple followers out of it. So I'll, I'll bite the bullet here. I did have that desired effect, but it, it was funny. It was it was very polarizing, too, because there was a loud contingent who was saying, you know, this, you know, screw you, Justice. Like, we need him on the opening day roster. And there was also a contingent that was saying, you know, this does make sense. And. I don't want to call out anyone in particular, but I was seeing people that were saying, oh, what about Fernando Tatis? What about Juan Soto? And here's what I want to, I want to make this very clear. I want to, I'm going to choose my words very carefully. I understand those arguments. Very, like, those arguments make 100% sense. Those are transcendent talents. They performed at such a marvelous level at AA that it did make sense for them to completely skip AAA. The flip side of that is guys like Patis and Soto, those are outliers. And we have to understand that. In the grand scheme of top prospects coming up and making their progression throughout the farm system, guys like Patis and Soto who skip AAA entirely will and are always going to be those outliers. And to kind of provide a counter-argument to that, who was the number one prospect last year? 
that came up and was phenomenal once he got to the majors. That was Wander Franco. Wander Franco had, I believe, 40 games at, you know, at AAA. Not that he needed to figure things out, but that was kind of where they started. And Matt, he gets to the major league, and then he just let it. This isn't to have a Wander Franco to O'Neill's Cruz comparison. This is just to say that, historically speaking, that's how things are kind of done. Plus, and, and we can kind of get into this, this other aspect of it, but with with Figuero as AAA as well, that does provide O'Neill Cruz with the opportunity, as was mentioned yesterday, although yesterday was my actually wasn't there, to hear it with the opportunity for him to potentially experiment in left field as well. I thought it was in right field personally, but being he is to start the season in AAA. That would give him an opportunity to get comfortable and familiar with that position, something that he wasn't afforded last year because of the aftermath. Yeah, because like last year, like right before um, he got injured, he started to take you know some warm ups and started doing some reps in the outfield, and that kind of got put on hold. Um, and uh, as a counter argument, Justice, just to push back just a tiny bit, is that a lot of people say you know the bat will play. So if the bat plays, you know, just have him up there. Is it is it really worth, you know, having him down in AAA just to work on um, just some outfield reps? The way, the way that I always that I've kind of framed it is this. And I think that to, to kind of directly address that, I think that there is some worth there just because PNC Park is, whether you're playing left field or right field, that that's a monster in and of itself. And I think that there's a level of comfortability that would he would benefit from by playing in Indianapolis before trying to traverse either of those outfield spots. But here's kind of my general sentiment when it comes to O'Neill Cruz and the 2020s. If O'Neill Cruz is to hype, let's say 120, 110, 120 games, if he plays 110 to 120 games over the course of a major league season, and if, he's, and if he finishes in the top three of rookie of the year voting, does it like genuinely really matter whether those 120 games come from April 7th onward or from May 1st on. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. I think that the, the plate appearances are going to be all the same. The games are all the same. As long Because for me personally, regardless of whether he starts the season at AAA or the majors, he's going to be up with the major league club. And I think that's kind of the thing that we almost lose sight of, is he's going to be on this club in 2022. He's going to play a lot of games. He's going to get a lot of plate appearances. It's just this matter of, when and i think that regardless of when that happens if he's playing 100 plus games and that's that's kind of what i think i think we also have to take into consideration the grand scope of where the pirates are as a team because even if o'neill cruz is transcendentally great if we're talking about team success and we're like what this team is eyeing in the long term because that's kind of what they're thinking how can we put these guys in a position to where in two, three years they are competing. That's kind of, that's where my mind goes to. It's not as, as great as it would be to have him on the opening day roster playing shortstop for, I would imagine that's great as that would be for a lot of Pirates fans. That's not where this franchise is thinking. And yes, like, to kind of just put a bow on this, he's going to get his opportunities this year. I personally don't think it matters as much when that opportunity begins. As long as he has those games, as long as he has those play defenses. Are people going to get mad at me for that? I think they still might. Yeah. I mean, as, as, as diplomatic as you try to be, I mean, there's, there's always going to be so, some blowback on either side just because uh, uh, Pirates fans are passionate and they will, you know, they'll let you hear it. 
Now, I did want to go back a little bit here. You were talking about uh, Mitch Keller, uh, Rowanzi coming out. Uh, unfortunately, Mitch Keller's you know outing sh- cut a little bit short, taking the the line drive off of the leg. But we have like a bunch of guys out here, a bunch of guys you know competing for you know the starting rotation, um, not only in you know Pittsburgh but also in Indianapolis possibly, uh, trying to show off a little bit and see what they have here but haven't gotten a lot of time to ramp up here. And they're also dealing with, you know, having some new backstops back there. Michael Perez is really the only uh, familiar face. And so is there a lot of guys like doing a lot of work on the side? And and what what part has Roberto Perez, you know, played in getting these guys ready? When the lockout ended, a lot of these, pretty much nobody knew it exactly when it was going to come. So typically, like, the ramp-up period that starts when pitchers and catchers report, that wasn't afforded. And so in terms of these guys being able to ramp up, I think we have to consider this as a slow burn. We're not going to see guys coming out here going you know, six or seven innings just off the bat, or even five innings. It's going to be like a very gradual process. Justice De Los Santos, new guy uh, from... Uh, MLB.com covering the Pirates. He's putting himself out there a lot. Justice, enjoy the weather down there. Hopefully we get a full game in there with the rain that's going on. And I look forward to possibly doing this again sometime, man. Hey, just just say the word. I'm there like air. Oh, that sounds good, man. Take it easy, brother. (laughs) Appreciate it. You have a good one. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing but the